Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to There It Is Podcast, a podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr, on the one. I know I usually say let's do this, but this is a very Prince-inspired episode, and uh, not quite a pop talk. Uh, it's a pop life talk, because oh, yeah. it's mm-hmm. a Prince-inspired episode that has girlfriend of the show, Justina. Hey. and and thank you. And best friend of the show, Rob. Hey. <laughs> and it's a special Prince-inspired episode because girlfriend of the show, Justina, got me the best birthday gift you can give a Prince lover, which is a surprise trip to Minneapolis to visit best friends and go to Paisley Park. That is for those who don't know. Uh, Paisley Park is the compound. Is it fair to call it a no, compound? Call it a comp- but not like in a <laughs> not weird, like a not weird, like Jim Jones compound. Yeah, not yeah. a not a David Koresh sort of compound. Yeah, I would I would say like a, a, a an excellent facility. <laughs> yes. and living space. Right, and that's where Prince recorded a number of things. Uh, he, it was uh, the, the building was made. Uh, was was uh, uh, created. I don't know. That's not the right constructed. Way to, constructed. There it is. And uh, there it is. Podcast and newsletter. On one. And um, on the one. <laughs> on the one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so anyway, it was constructed in 1987. Prince wanted to have this space in Minneapolis, so he didn't have to go to um, uh, L.A. or New York to record. And there's also a soundstage in there, and we took a VIP tour of it. Uh, and so for one big thanks to Justina, I mean, I had no idea, I guess we should post the video of me. I don't, maybe we could post the video of me, uh, receiving the gift, um, and crying. Anyway, um, we came up on Saturday morning and, uh, we go back as you're listening to this, we are heading back to New York city. So, um, a whirlwind trip very inspiring trip and we're going to talk about what it was like being in paisley park on this tour and how it impacted us i took notes previous guest of the podcast elrinthia carter has gone on the tour and she said because they lock your phone uh she said she wished she had had a notebook and had taken notes so we made it a point to do that i, I brought my notebook my there it is notebook not quite in stores yet. Stay tuned. And I took notes, and then eventually we got our phones back, and we could take some pictures. We'll have those in the bio on thereitispod.com. I took a notebook, too, but I saw how much you were writing down, and I was like, he's got it covered. I don't need to write down anything. (laughs) And I cannot read or write. Yeah, so ultimately it was on Jason. So it was a really really special trip. (laughs) Let's go from... The drive there because Rob had at, he's not he's twenty five minutes from Paisley Park, and Rob said make a Spotify playlist of the Prince songs that you want to hear <laughs> going to Paisley Park, 
And I made one, and I got to say I nailed it because there's mm-hmm. a song called Paisley Park from Around the World in a Day. And maybe on the YouTube version, a small clip of the lyric, Paisley Park is in your heart is playing right now. If we can clear it, I don't know if that will work out. Um, the Prince Estate may not allow that on YouTube. Understandable. But nevertheless, when that song was on is when we got to Paisley Park. So I nailed the playlist, quite frankly. And you started crying. And yeah. I started crying as soon as I saw it, which uh, Rob knew was going to happen. I told him to prepare himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I brought a, a kind of a purple gingham handkerchief with me. It was the only purple one I have. It came in handy. And I actually did a cry count. Really? In my notebook. Yeah, it's in his notebook. Oh I saw that. I mean, I can't read, but I did see that. Oh, yeah, you could. <laughs> the very first thing I wrote in there, and it's um, five cries. Five, yeah, cries. five cries. Including the driving up one. Including the driving yeah, up yeah. one. And I'm sorry, everyone, that I purists out there, that I didn't get to seven cries mm, in Paisley yeah, Park. It would have been poetic, but it's not what happened. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I took notes and just, like, some of the songs I heard over their intercom. Um, just because I thought that was sort of interesting, but of course, like what the experience was like in the different rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with just as soon as we got in there. This is a quick clip of us walking up, and then we'll go into what it was like walking into Paisley Park. First impressions? Oh, it's awesome. What are your first impressions? Well, I've already cried once. <laughs> Just seeing it. I'm just staring at the front of the building now. And um, I'm looking at the love symbol. And it's just beautiful. Rob, you've been here. Yeah. <laughs> so this this part isn't new to you. You just need to get out of the cold. Real <laughs> <No> cold <check. laughs> Make sure you put that in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> It is 14 degrees. Yes. Um, it was, we had to wait outside in the cold because they only let a group in at a time to go over the security protocols. And they didn't check coats, and so we no left coat our coats check. in the car. And um, when we walked in, it was cool. It was cool, and then we had to wait outside the atrium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's soon as And that in, atrium, yeah. I mean, there's a, a, like an, a mural of his eyes looking down on you, welcoming you to the facility. And uh, a bunch of his, I guess, platinum record Mm -hmm. things on the wall, like a ton, a ton. A musicology sort of mural. It's like a bunch of tickets. Which I found that really interesting. That was one of Mm -hmm. the first things I remember noticing, because this is my second time going on the tour, but this was, I I went on the, as I called it, the basic bitch tour (laughs) the first time. (laughs) And this time I went on... The irresistible basic bitch. Yeah. Yeah, but so... um, but I, I think I maybe have remembered it. I may have told you that after I went there. But there is a mural for the musicology tour, and I thought it was really interesting that that was the tour that he was advertising. You know that right. they, they put up front. I that think it was. I think yeah, that was that probably, it's not like Purple Rain. And I gathered something. from yeah. what, what Sharon, our guide, said. Yeah. I think that wall was probably there when he was mm-hmm. there, or like when mm-hmm. he was still with us. And so I think that probably is a tour that really meant a lot to him. I think so, because, I mean, I know at the time when Musicology came out, it was 2004, it was another, what they called a comeback Mm -hmm. album for him. And he always lamented that because he said, I haven't gone anywhere. And it's true, because if Mm -hmm. you look at 
the man was incredibly prolific. I'm currently <laughs> listening to the story of Sign of the Times, which is a Prince Estate podcast about the making of that album. And when we say prolific, it feels like that's not even a good enough term for it because he made so much music and he was putting out an album a year at least because even a year where he didn't put out an album, the next year he had two or three disc albums that would come out and, mm -hmm. and or two albums came out that year altogether, you know, and it's, it kind of makes up for the years that he didn't have something out. And that's not even counting the music that he wrote and produced for other artists like The Time or, you know, Vanity Six or whoever, um, or just gave away or just put in the vault. He created, a tr he has to have thousands upon thousands of, of work mm -hmm. uh, in his vault. And so it was interesting that he did put musicology up there over, like I said, Purple Rain or something like that. But I guess that one was really special to him because it really, it was a you're not going anywhere again sort of moment for him, I mm -hmm. feel like. Like, you know, I, I understand he lamented being it being referred to as a comeback, but he was so deeply in the conscience at that point mm -hmm. with... Uh, like, there was no need for him to come back after that. He was always yeah. just going to be this special icon in America's eyes from that point on. It was... So, maybe that, maybe he picked up on that a little bit. But um, we'll move out of the atrium and go into what was half living space, half office space. Yeah. So, in this area, there is a big tiled floor with the symbol uh, that he unpronounceable symbol, some kind of called it a glyph, um, that uh, was on the floor in the middle next to a kitchen that was made to look sort of like a diner. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and, and he would host people there. If he had friends over, they would go in there and eat, or they would watch a DVD or something like that. <laughs> but it we saw the DVDs. We saw the DVDs. I was quite obsessed because there was Steel Magnolias. Oh, yeah. There was Matrix Reloaded. There was... <laughs> Divergent. Um, Divergent. Uh, yeah, I was like, man, that's just a <laughs> Not weird... the movies I would have thought <laughs> he would have laid out. And, yeah. and we say that it was the movies he laid out because they tried to keep, keep as it, much yeah. as it was before like his, he left. Like his office. Was, right. Like his, exactly his office was, was untouched. Untouched. Um, and and uh, it, you get the impression that he probably left those DVDs there and that's been untouched as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if the people who work there use that kitchen. But, um, it doesn't seem like they do. No, does it? it really I don't doesn't. Think so, yeah. And yeah. Uh, this space pretty much goes unused. There are a bunch of different rooms that they that have albums. Like there's the Love Sexy room and the Sign of, of the Times room, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. This drum kit in there, and a bunch of uh, if you look at the cover of that album, there are a lot of flowers on the front of the stage, and they had that drum kit on a little stage with flowers in front of it. And it was beautiful. We couldn't take pictures at this point because they locked, had locked their phone by this point. Um, there was a... Was there a Purple Rain room that was in there? was a controversy. No, well, Purple Rain was after... It was in Studio right, C. Right, right. So what was that room to the left was of... was a controversy. Um, Diamonds and Pearls. Was it? And then and that was where the honer was. The honer was outside. It was, it was in the hallway. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't actually in the room, and so they, when we say the honer, it's the, right. it's the famous his famous Telecaster like guitar. Mm -hmm. But when you watch like uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, solo, 
on uh, Wild My Guitar Gently Weeps. That's mm-hmm. that oh, guitar. Oh, that was that one. That was yeah. that guitar. Oh, yeah, when, when you the, watch like the lift and go yeah, yeah. That, when yeah. he plays Let's Go Crazy and Purple yeah. Rain, yeah. that's that guitar. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, so that was kind of like one of his signature always with him guitars, besides yeah. you know like the cloud guitars, right? And um, yeah. that seeing that guitar was my second cry of the tour. Yep. Because um, I didn't see it when we I'm, when we walked past it, yeah. I just didn't see it, and because uh, I was looking at everything else, and this is where you could see the doves uh, in their cages and the he and they have and they have like these the it's like a it's like a skylight oh, skylights that are like pyramids yeah and, and so it, it's just a really well even though it was overcast at first it was really well lit oh, room yeah. and like yeah. kind of like the a lot of it, natural it's light definitely the there. feature that draws you in yeah um, and he wanted it specific specifically that way mm-hmm. and, and made sure he got someone who could do it apparently um so i didn't see it when we because it was all that so mm-hmm. i didn't see the honer and then when i turned around when they she said all right you'll have like six minutes which i was like why was it at seven minutes but she was like you have six minutes in here mm-hmm. so we bounced around and i saw that honer and i went i i i stopped me cold Did in I my track i thought i called you over dude you may have but yeah. i didn't because i yeah. hadn't seen it so mm-hmm. i saw it and was like what and <laughs> just like just started to cry and um uh stood there and stared at it and saw like the the scratches on it and the dents and stuff mm-hmm. was just like so beautiful and like to see it not pristine um was really cool yeah. actually and um also in this same area the same hallway basically is his office his private office mm-hmm. and we could go in that and they kept that as rob said the same, untouched, and it's roped off. You can walk in there. I don't know if you've been to the Biltmore Estate, listener, but in, in Asheville, North Carolina. But um, there is, uh, it's sort of like when you go there and it's like someone's house and they have the area roped off and the bed's off in the side or whatever the room is. It's like that, where um, you, there's, you can walk into the room, but you can't go deep into it. And there is a presence in that room. It is designed and decorated in such a way that you would expect yeah. Prince to. And not, I mean, it's like hard to explain. Like, you might say that to some people and they'd be like, oh, so well, it's, it's like lace and di-. And it's like, no, no, no. it's, but it's but it, but very got, noble. They had a lot of like custom made pieces. I mean, right. obviously, like, that's. <laughs> A lot of the theme of the places there was a ton of from the outfits to yeah we'll talk about the other room but like mm-hmm. yeah very custom made things mm-hmm. and the, but also like I mean obviously like the 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 furniture was very custom made yeah he had a uh, cool like a, this desk um, that was sort of like something you would see in like Batman or something like that like, yeah uh, and yeah, then I think he had you this said cool it was chair. like Bruce Wayne's office yeah it looks yeah. like that like it's yeah. like it was so I don't know it was super cool and he had. Uh, this cool chair, and there was just something about being in that space and just knowing he was in it and in it so often that I, I don't know, it really touched me. And I probably got a cry in and there, but I would, you know, they you know, he has his family pictures on there and these flowers that are off to the side. And there is, mm-hmm. uh, there are all these books, and there is one big book that's called uh, Forced into Glory, and I wrote it down. So, so I could look it up and maybe see what, see what it's about, maybe even get it to read. Um, they told us not to touch anything, and it's kind of obvious that you don't touch things, like we've all been to a museum before, right? But it would have been hard to touch them. You'd have to go over the rope to touch something. Um, but I couldn't 
help myself. I had to touch the light switch. Oh, you did? <laughs> I did touch the oh. light switch on the way out. Because I was like, I just want to touch something that Prince touched. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and I, the, to me, it was more meaningful to touch something like that than like the piano almost. Because, you know, unless I'm going to sit and play the piano. Mm-hmm. But like you touch a light switch. It's like, well, he definitely touched this at some yeah. point. <laughs> like I just, I just wanted to be in there and for him to be in me, like in spirit. And uh, when I walked out of the room and checked out the other stuff, I like ran back to the office just to be in that presence again. Mm-hmm. It was really inspiring because being in that room, that was probably the first moment of the tour where I was really overwhelmed with how specific he was and how he was going to conduct himself and live his life. And it was really inspiring for me uh, to to see that side of him because it, it makes me want to live not high on the hog like that or like you know like this this elegant royal life but to live so specifically and intentionally it's kind of funny you say like royal life because it felt like and they talked about the the space but it's like it's not and and, well i don't want to step on your toes but like it's not a gaudy place right no it's not it's there's nothing like ornate about it i mean there's some of the furniture is interesting and some obviously some of the clothes are unbelievable Mm -hmm. But, like, there's nothing, like, it's not like walking through Versailles or something. Yeah. Right, nothing. Right. It's not like, it, it doesn't feel like an ego trip. Right. It doesn't feel like, because this was, at one point, it was a functioning space for other people. It was an office. They had, like, office. I mean, you could, like, be somebody working in this building that had nothing to do with Prince. Yeah, they now, had work to do. Well, there. they said, like, 2013 <laughs> or 14, he basically, he moved back in, and it became solely about all of his personal endeavors. Mm-hmm. But before that, I mean, you know, you could be, I mean, obviously, there's lots of production stuff that happens. Yeah, there. REM recorded. Yeah, people an album, record a there. Albums, yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's it's not it. Yeah, it's not like this bow to Prince. This it's not a it's not a pyramid. Right. No. Right. Exactly. That's a really uh, good point. Uh, what were you about to say, Justina? There were doves. There yes, were doves. There were and doves. I did. If they, you mentioned that already, um, then edit this out. But there were doves. <laughs> there were doves. You yeah, said birds, I, but you didn't say doves. Mm. So. Um, yeah, there was a bird cage. Yeah, so. I kept looking at them because when she, when Sharon, our, our tour guide, started talking about the space, she did say, like, there are doves up there. You may not, you know, they might be hidden away for a second. I looked for them, and I actually did see their white doves up there uh, moving around. And um, I saw one of them, and I was like, okay, this is cool, um, <laughs> getting to see the doves. But that was in the living space that we could only see into from here. We didn't get to go up there for obvious reasons, so we don't know what any of that was like, but we could see the staircase that led up there, and we could see the birdcage, and there was some room, I, I don't know if it was a closet or what, but there's like a, a window to the room, and you could see some outfits in the window, but I, I just don't know what else is on the other side of that wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so we left this room and went into Studio B, I believe. But first, it was actually the Galaxy Room, which you can see in Prince's interview on Oprah from the late 90s when Emancipation was coming out. It's a super cool room. He said it was his favorite room uh, in the whole building. And it was a super cool room and um, purple room that looks like a galaxy. And... um, then we walk through there, we go into Studio B, which was modeled after Electric Ladyland in mm-hmm. New York City, which I thought was pretty dope. 
uh, we got to listen to some music in there, and they they left some things as he left them, like a there's incense. a yeah incense, some a picture candles. of his dad, some candles, and this cool it doesn't work anymore, but this cool neon light that yeah. said Prince on the bottom, but it was like a caricature of Prince, and I tried to draw it real quick, and I didn't do a great job drawing it, but I draw I drew it real quick to just oh, remember yeah. it. But um, this will. I'm pretty close. Yes. It almost looks like he's a part of Kiss. He, yeah, he yes. does. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do the mustache right. We, got, or the, we will or put the, this up on the enhanced version. Yeah, I'll All have right. to. I'll try to redraw it too, so yeah. it looks better. But we were in there, and there were a few instruments up, and I went and looked at those, and Rob looked. They were cool. It was like a. Well, there was a the, heart shaped. There was that he had a Daisy Rock <laughs> guitar. And if you know anything about <laughs> guitars. Daisy rocks aren't like the best thing in the world, right? But he just but liked. Then he, he liked was apparently it was a heart. in Japan. Yeah, it was like this just stuff, saw yeah, and so, it. yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm sure but he I never played. I think that it. was the room that had um, the guitar. Wasn't that the 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 one from Third Eye Girl? Yes, that was his his. Um, uh, he used that guitar a lot. Um, I think I guess on SNL. Yeah, he used it on SNL. When he was when he uh, was with them. It was a semi hollow body. Um, yeah, cool looking guitar. Um, we can, I'm sure we can find it and put it in the enhanced version on YouTube right now. But uh, hopefully there's a pic of that. Yeah. And we're in that space, and they said, well, Sharon said, well, we're going to, he has a state-of-the-art set of speakers in here, and we're going to listen to a demo of a song. Was it Welcome to America? No, it wasn't. So it was a song that came, that was after, the because Welcome to America was 2010, but unreleased. Oh, okay. Something rock and roll, right? It was, let me find it, because um, I haven't heard this album yet. Uh, okay, so first I'll just say, in Studio B, um, the Ballad of Dorothy Parker, I think she said was the first thing recorded Yeah, in there, it was the first thing recorded Which is there. one of the songs I put in that playlist mm -hmm. that we listened to driving to Paisley Park. So, uh, again, I nailed it. But... Mm -hmm. um, Black Album was in there, and um, N.E.W.S., but we listened to a demo of Rock and Roll Love Affair, which is from Third Eye Girl, uh, I guess Rock it's, was it? Yeah, okay. I haven't heard that song, so it was my first time hearing it. The only reason I have, I, I don't want to go into the long-winded reason why I haven't listened to it yet. I just haven't listened to his last few albums yet, um, but um, it was my first time hearing the song, so... They played the demo version of it, and it was so, it felt like he was in the room because those speakers were so it's, good. Yeah. It is the best sounding speakers I've ever heard. And I don't, like, pick up on that kind of thing at all, like, when you were recording stuff. Like, you're mm -hmm. like, can you hear that? I'm like, no, but, like, that you could hear definitely everything. sounded like special. It was his hand on the guitar. Like, it, it was, felt so present. It was the best sounding speaker I've ever heard in my life. Like, I, I wanted... I told Jason as soon as they were done, I was like, I want to just sit in this room and listen to music. Oh yeah, that's all. I, like I would, I would just like to do because it's like you're in the music. You're in yeah. it, yeah. Because like a lot of times, if you're listening on like over the air headphones or, or something like that, the sound is like in the middle of your head. Mm -hmm. But this reversed it and made it feel like you were in the music as opposed to the music's in the in your head. It was. It was so. I could even what intimate. I was trying to point out to you too, like the, it was stuff was in stereo, mm -hmm. so you could hear like when stuff came in the left speaker versus the right speaker. Right. I was trying to point that out to you too, and it was happening because oh. it was just like, oh my god, let's listen to that sound. Yeah. Like that's what that's the kind of stuff they were listening to when they were recording it. Right. So. Oh gosh, I just can't believe 
just being able to listen to things on that. Oh, and it's he had such great intonation in his musicianship that I don't know. It was you could hear all of that. Mm -hmm. um, that's why you have to be a really good player for good speakers like that because it'll it'll pick up on every subtle thing that you do wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and he he was so good. But um, we listened to that, and then she played the full version that was the album version. It was so interesting to hear that dichotomy from a demo, demo to the fully produced thing. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't say this to the group, but um, when they played it, I said they should just take every demo that's this fully produced and make an album of that and put, like release those because I would love to just hear that. Yeah. I mean, it was. It still felt super layered and well produced, even mm -hmm. though it was just a demo. Well, and the other thing too, what she was explaining to us was, you know, when Prince was doing a lot of this stuff, you know, one of the reasons why he had had Paisley Park and, and why he how it was set up to function is if he had an idea, he wanted to go record it, and if you know mm -hmm. about Prince, he could play pretty much any instrument he could get his hands on. Mm -hmm. So he would count himself in, and he would play the drums, and then he would go back and he'd do the bass, and then he'd add the guitars and the keyboards mm -hmm. on these demos. So I think that demo was mostly him. Yeah. And so like you could hear like how he did that, too. Yeah. And he went back, and like so he kind of start, it starts off, and you could see how he started off the drums, and then he probably went back and re-recorded all this other stuff. Yeah. And so it was pretty amazing to hear that process as well. Yeah. And he could do that since he was 19, you know, like that's how he got on. Yeah. That's how he got, that's how on he got Warner started. Yeah. Because he said he wanted to produce himself and he wanted to prove that to them. So he took them into the studio and the guy who was talking about this in the podcast I was referencing earlier said that as soon as he laid down the drums, he was like, this kid clearly knows what he's doing. Uh, in the studio, like, okay, fine. And then he laid down the bass, and this guy didn't want Prince to feel like he was auditioning for them. So he said, it's obvious that he knows what he's doing and can do this himself. So he's like, okay, good, that's enough. And Prince looked at him and said, I have to finish. And just finished the whole thing he was trying to record there. And that is so driven and so focused, and that was one of the themes of the tour, which was that he would have an idea and he'd get so excited about it that he would just go work on it and yeah. work on it all night and be there, you know. Yeah, if like, he had an idea, he could just go there and do it himself. And yeah. that, I think that was, and so that's why that's why I think it's a little bit different than something like a, a Neverland Ranch or, mm -hmm. or or Graceland. It's why it's so different. It's because you do have that aspect of this is somewhere where he lived and he had a lot of his treasured items. But this is still a functioning studio. Yeah. And a state-of-the-art studio. Mm -hmm. And so he, you know, he set himself up with something that's so one of a kind where he could be, you know, pretty much do whatever he wanted. He could rehearse bands there. He could mm -hmm. film movies there. And he could, you know, take his time to record, this, you know, the music and know what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, we also got to listen to an album from Artificial, a song from Artificial Age in that room that's called The Breakdown. And um, we saw the original notes in Studio B from My Name is Prince and Call My Name two great tracks call my name is for musicology and that's a special album just for our friend group because you me and jim saw the musicology mm -hmm. tour we saw a show of the musicology tour um so and that was one of the songs i remember us all really getting into mm -hmm. so it's cool to see just the handwritten notes in his notebook for that song so let's uh let's we moved out of studio b that was the control room and we went into the actual and then studio. We went to the actual studio mm -hmm. And this was special. 
because <laughs> as soon as we walk in there, there are two pianos. One's black and one is purple, and it's one that's been talked about a lot publicly because it was one that he had commissioned and he wanted it to go on tour with him. It was a tour that he finished and then died shortly after. And uh, they didn't have the piano ready for that tour, um, but it was in there. He got to play it a little bit before he passed, but it was like the week before he passed is when he like did a public display of it. And um, that's sitting there. And then there's also a cloud guitar. And Rob, you looked at it and were like, uh, how fast will they shoot me if I yeah. jump over the rope? Yeah, and touch I was it? so close. I mean, the fact that I got to be so close to one of his guitars we touched, I was yeah, yeah, and be photographed with it. Uh, yes, there are. There is a so photo. So that of was this. the special thing, and that's gonna that's going in the oh, and the, bio, other special the bio on thereitispod.com. And we got to play ping pong on his ping pong. Table. And there, yeah, we yeah, got the that was awesome. <laughs> the, they, so that's what they put in the studio. And we played ping pong on Prince's ping pong table a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I liked and, that um, a lot. And we were really pictures. good, so it was like kind of showing off, too. You had it going on. And uh, I was taking so many notes, and people who were other other people on the tour were like, are you a, are you a journalist? And I was like, no. Nah, just a nerd. Just, just, I just love Super Prince. Super nerd. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just wanted to do this. Um, <laughs> someone else asked later, when, in Studio B, a guy was like, yeah, you're taking a lot of notes. And I was like, yeah, a friend went on this tour and said you should. And he was like, oh, okay. He he was that dude who knew so much, too, about... He must have been someone who was uh, who was familiar with audio equipment because he, he seemed to know what a lot of things were. I know was which like one. That, was that guy that was like... older old? guy. Oh, I don't know if I... Yeah, I know some... Uh, he, um... He, I don't pay attention to the peons. <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, it was, um... It's interesting because it's like I barely talk to anyone else in there because we're all just listening, mm-hmm. but oh, we're yeah. all are experiencing this amazing thing together. We didn't really yeah. like <laughs> experience it so much together emotionally, but um, yeah, that was it was great being in there. And then we went into Studio A, and that was the larger of the two. And they said that was like the center of his recording universe because he preferred that studio. Love Sexy, Batman, Diamonds and Pearls, Emancipation, and more were all recorded in there. There were a bunch of instruments in Studio A. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a massive space. And yeah. we couldn't go into the control room, which is where he spent a lot of time, but we could look in there and yeah, see it. Yeah, I was it. a little disappointed we couldn't go into the control room. Yeah, yeah. I, that's one of the things they want to keep pristine, and I get it. Oh my gosh, it would have been nice to have sat in there for a minute. Yeah. Um. And walked out of there, and, um, oh, but we did hear an unfinished song mm-hmm. called Rough Enough, and that was super cool on those speakers, too. Mm-hmm. And was it in there or in Studio B that they played the song he was, when he was maybe going to collaborate with Bonnie Raitt, they played some song, and it was like, uh, I Need a Good Man song or something like that. Uh, I don't remember where that one was. Mm. I don't either. I didn't write it that part down. I just remembered it. But I remember that was because the, the song we listened to was like one of the last ones you recorded. Yeah. Yeah, rough enough. Mm-hmm. And it sounded great. Man, unfinished. But it sounded so good. And then we walk out of there, and there's a mural. Mm-hmm. And uh, it had people on one side that he was influenced by, uh, you know, your Stevie Wonders, your Carl Santana, Jimi Hendrix. 
And then on the other side were the artists that he felt he influenced and was really proud of. Uh, and so it was like The Time and, and Wendy and Lisa, e. Sheila E. Uh, and even The Deal, which I thought was pretty cool. And we walked from there into Studio C. And Studio C was a place that they did a lot of dance rehearsals. Mm-hmm. And um, basketball. And basketball, which is unreal that they, were, they played basketball in there. Um, and you know, I didn't say... I didn't say this, but you think maybe that's where he and Charlie Murphy played basketball? It must have been if that's where they did the basketball. And that story is true, that they played basketball together. Eddie Murphy has confirmed it, too. Um, And I guess that's also where Torrey played him uh, as well Mm -hmm. when he played. But this room now is... Purple Rain. A, yeah, Purple Rain Museum, essentially. Well, that's where the, the Oscar for Purple Rain was. The Oscar was in there. I liked the big, the most special thing in that room to me was, I mean, there were notebooks all over mm-hmm. that we saw, but there was one that he had his ideas for Purple Rain in there, and, and they had copies of the sheets in there, and on top on of that notebook, it was faintly written dreams. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And, yeah. Because, you know, like, I feel like that's what a lot of people do with notebooks. They write, like, ideas or, you mm-hmm. know. The, mm-hmm. one, the one thing I, I will say was, Gotti, was they had the script from Purple Rain, mm-hmm. and it was in a purple-bounded book. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. That. That's yeah. true. And I was like, okay, like, okay, some stuff he was a little ornate Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty ornate. Yeah, um, and they had, like, the mo- obviously they had, they had two of the three motorcycles from the movie we yeah, saw one this of the was motorcycles. The stunt the, one. That was the stunt one. Yeah. And that was in that room with all the purple rain stuff. And then there's it? another room where they had some oh. vehicles, and it was in that room. Right. Yeah. And so I'd, one. I'd always known that he was small, right? Like, I always <laughs> talked about yeah. he was like 5'2 or whatever. Maybe. I didn't know quite how tiny he was like until his hips they and showed. His waist, his waist yeah, they may had have been a, 20 inches. They yes. had to have been. So the reason we know that is because there were costumes all over the place, but in the purple rain room there mm-hmm. was a, a suit mm-hmm. that he had and his waist was so tiny so tiny. it's like in the middle of the room so you could walk all around it and see it from every angle and you're just like how was a grown man with that much energy and power yeah about him that tiny like i don't i don't see how he really had to have had a 20 inch waist like honestly yeah. um uh, it was it was it was a marvel yeah. um, <laughs> to see that. Then we went into, I mean, that whole room had cool, inspiring items. But then we went into the shoe room, <laughs> which a special. Well, actually, you had to say like they told us it was like you got to get. We like we're gonna open this door and you need to get in here Everyone's in thirty seconds. In. Yeah, thirty yeah. seconds because they she clicked the button and so obviously there was about to be some type of multimedia thing going on. Mm-hmm. So we go in the room's kind of dark. It's all dark, yeah. And then all of a sudden the music starts and then the walls the walls start lighting up because they're <laughs> glass cases for the shoes, but they're like they look like amplifiers yeah. and and speaker cabinets the glass cases. And I mean, it was this was when it felt like okay, this I've never been to Versailles, but this feels like some yes. Versailles or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like it seemed like we were seeing like Louis the Fourteenth's prodrome, <laughs> right? You know, right? And it was—I mean, three hundred pairs of shoes, custom-made shoes, custom-made shoes that you've none of seen. It, none of it was Air Jordans. None of it. I mean, not <laughs> right. that, I mean, I know that a lot of sneakerheads have great collections and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but like it was nothing this, like this that. This blows sneakerhead. I mean, this is all like Italian-made or, oh or British-made. Yeah, there's lots of videos of him with like custom designers. Um, there's a Versace had, display. Where he had that, a good 
huge Versace. He had a good relationship with Donatello mm-hmm. Versace, and like um, man, it was something. And I, I wish I remember the guy's name. There's a British guy that was on the video talking about his relationship with Prince, and I think he he started off like helping like work on some of his shoes for him, and then helped design, and yeah. they had a really long lasting relationship. And there were a lot of like uh, written design, like they had some of those up yeah. too in there. And it's all about style. There's this really great quote in there that I had to write down because it was so good. Justina had pointed it out to me, and I loved it too. It was, style is not lusting after someone because they're cool. Style is loving yourself till everyone else does too. Yeah. That's a dope quote. Yeah. And I bet Tan France would like it too. Oh, I, I'm sure. Um, so many shoes in there, and like it was, it was actually kind of powerful. To be in there because there's so much. It it one of the things that Versace, I guess Versace, the daughter said, mm-hmm. was that he embodied uh, not only like style but like the spirit of Versace, and you gather that from seeing all of these things because they're so creative. I mean, like you see all this stuff like Kanye West does now, and it's like, dude, that's a white T-shirt. There's nothing special or creative about that. Like, you're maybe trying to push some buttons in some sort of, I don't know, whatever kind of way, but, like, that's not as creative as this. Um, It was also special in the same way The Office was special because um, you saw these scuffed-up shoes. It was like he wore these, he Mm -hmm. danced in these at this show. Yeah, you could see the point on the, like, like, where the wear was from him spinning. Even on, there were two pairs of roller skates in there that had the same wear. Yeah. In a couple of spots, it was it was it was dope. Um, that room was something else, and uh, there were even platform flip flops in there. Yeah, I, like, I love those. If, it's the only person I'll be okay with wearing flip flops, right. I guess. But I don't, they were platforms, so it's like they had a heel on them. Like, how do you how did you walk in those? I don't, I don't know how you walked in any of those damn <laughs> shoes. <laughs> I mean, I and, yeah. you know, and the whole time, and it was it was sad. Because you know a lot of his health problems came from his hips. Right. And it was like looking at those shoes, it just felt like you were looking at someone, I mean, not to judge, but it felt like, oh my gosh, like this is why, you know, like this is probably what led you to painkillers. Right. And, oh, and right. was these shoes and the way you performed. And, yeah. And it, yeah, so that's kind of He just went, went, see. went, yeah. didn't sleep, and just was like up all night dancing, doing shows until 5 a.m. sometimes. It's like, yeah, you wore your body out trying to jump off of amplifiers in those pumps. I'll say one other thing about this room, or ask, actually, it's a question. Uh, out of what shoes you saw in there, what would you have if you could? Like, if you could wear one, you could pull <laughs> it off. <laughs> Which ones are like... You'd have to like, change the size, but... Uh, right, of course. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I wish I'd known this question before. Oh, I know. Oh, well, and this is a cheat, but... I, it, it would either. Oh, I really like the Batman ones. Oh, Those yeah. were cool. Those were yeah. And I really like the ones that he wore to the Academy Awards. I like those a lot. But too. I would go with the roller skates. Yeah, <laughs> those were awesome. The white roller skates. Yeah. I like the white roller skates. Uh, I like the Tavis Smiley show. Oh, shoes. the white and black shoes. Yeah, yeah they look really, like a little tuxedo yeah. for your feet. Yes. Um, and the Grammy ones as well. I wish I could have taken pictures in there of those shoes. Yeah. Because there were so many nice ones. Uh, so many. And, like, I I tend to go with things that are just, like, solid colored, whatever. But that room, so the things were so nice. 
that it made me think, um, maybe I should get some stuff that has a little more color or flair to it. You know, like it inspired me in that way too. Next up was the sound stage. Mm-hmm. This is when we got our phones back. So I got a few pictures in there. They will also be in the bio on thereitispod.com for this episode. And this is where they filmed Graffiti Bridge and did some stuff for Sign of the Times. And they also filmed uh, the Raven to the Joy Fantastic music video and Grumpy Old Men. And Grumpier. And Grumpier Old Men. Oh my men. gosh, that was so random to me. Well, I mean, it wasn't random to me because I live here. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, like, cause the film takes place on Wabashar. Uh, and so, I don't know what that means. That's a city. It sounds close. By. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, all the interior stuff was filmed at Paisley Park. And I know we, we, were, we were talking about the store earlier, but like the, the Walter Matthaus character has a cat and it wasn't in the script. It's because Prince's personal cat liked being on the stage so much and wouldn't leave that they decided just to make Walter Matthau have a cat so they didn't have to get rid of it. <laughs> right. So yeah. if you see that movie and you see that cat, that's Prince's that's cat. cat. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty dope. That's a, that's a pretty great trivia. It makes me want to see that movie yeah. again. And that, I haven't that, seen the sequel, but it's not as good as the first. Nah, one. Nah, the first one's pretty good. And Margaret. The also, second one has Sophia Loren. But, mm, um, that's true. That the, that room because like there was a room that the there's um a little like atrium area right before you go into the to the um, sound studio and um they uh that when I went to the previous tour they had um, the Pegasus Grand Piano in the, in that room but they had moved it into the larger room. And that grand piano was, it's unbelievable. It's, I, I was just looking it up again. I think it's worth like $350,000. Jeez. Oh, I forgot to mention, I think maybe the last cry for me came uh, in the sound stage. That's when my first cry came. That's where your first cry came? Yeah, it was a Super Bowl performance. They showed him doing Purple Rain oh, in the Super yeah. Bowl. Because you came and tried to tell me something, and I was just like, shut oh. up. <laughs> like, you had been there before. I didn't think you were crying. But they time. didn't do that when I went with mm. there. They didn't do that. And so mm. so to hear it, because what they did was they had the, because he would do concerts in the soundstage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they had it set up like his last concert he did in there. And so they had a huge video screen with an amazing sound system playing his performance from the Super Bowl, which is very meaningful for me. Right. And um, and so he was doing Purple Rain in the rain in, in Miami, and it was just it just it, it got to me. And so I was I was watching it. You were trying to tell me about the the gun microphone, and I was like, oh, just yeah. let me be in this moment <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Um, I did get a cry in there. I I don't know what, but you know one thing in the shoe room that got me, the shoes from. The Raspberry Beret music video. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. they were in the middle where you could, like, see it, really. And, and you could stand right above it his, and look at it. His outfit in that video is, like, it looks like clouds. Like, mm-hmm. his, his, like a blue, blue, sky. blue sky blue sky with white clouds, and that's what the shoes look like. So And I, yeah. I just, I, I love that song so much in that video. And so, it's one of the, like, if I want to be happy, I listen to that song. And so just like being that close to those shoes just like really affected me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what made me cry. But um yeah, five cries. Uh either that was the last one or it's in the sound stage. Pretty sure it was, must have been the sound stage. And they had a bunch of things in there too. Um and uh we got to sit on this big couch, this VIP mm-hmm. couch in there. Mm-hmm. And um it was a really Really great experience. Very inspiring. 
so after the soundstage, we went into the club, the NPG club, and gave some some more thoughts on what it was like being in the building. It was so cool that we recorded in Paisley Park, and uh, here's a clip of that. Okay, we're in the NPG Music Club. What an amazing and special experience. Mm -hmm. How do you all feel? I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm going to need some time to digest it. We learned a For lot. Sure. Yeah. And we saw a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I got to see way more this time than last time, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. And then the fact that, like, we got to hear some of the music and obviously like, the un unreleased music was pretty phenomenal. Oh, gosh, that was so good. Oh, I'm glad I took notes um, because it is going to take a long time to process, but I think the the first and most prominent thing that sticks out for me is that it's like his presence, especially when we got to go into his office. Oh, yeah. Yeah. His, um, yeah. I had to step in there a couple of times. Yeah. And um, that really is sticking with me. And then um, the inspiration of how he how creative he was yeah. in every facet. I mean, all the shoes and the, the costumes. Shoes were unbelievable. And, yeah. and how you know. he like made others around him creative right. because of yeah. his ideas, you know? Yeah, yeah. and uh, that, that is really inspiring. Not just about like, oh, how do you make something? Mm -hmm. It inspires me on how to be as a person and how I want to live life. Mm -hmm. So that's... Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're standing and we're still we're in Paisley Park. We're in Paisley Park. And um, that's pretty. Yeah. Really special yeah, to record that's something really in cool. here. Yeah. Yeah. We recorded in Paisley Park. Yeah. Yeah, we've recorded in Paisley yeah. Park. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're gonna no, tell people. No big that. deal. No big deal. No big deal. Um, this is one of the rooms where they they said they hosted the links here. Yeah, they have, we have they had a lot of party after parties um, in here. I mean, it's a club. I mean, imagine it's a it's club. A club. Yeah. yeah, I mean, hey, imagine having a house where you have three studios, a a actual sound stage, and then your own club. Yeah, yeah. He lived a life none of us will ever understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Prince. <laughs> All right. Well, this really was such an inspiring trip, and. Uh, being in there was so, I don't know, it was something special for me, obviously, it was going to be, and Justina knew that when she <laughs> got the tickets. Did it inspire you all? Yeah, no, I, I would say so. It's always impressive to me to see how creative people can be, and he mm. is, like, one of the most creative people to have ever lived, you know, and um, it was also cool to be in Minneapolis because that's, you know, he's from this area, mm -hmm. and, you know, we drove up to First Avenue, which was magic also because Purple Rain came on as soon as we drove up, which was yeah, it was pretty weird, crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't like, and it was because uh, I was driving them through the city, and like I'm notorious, like I live in the suburbs. I'm, I mean, I'm suburb bad as fuck. Yeah, I didn't so, plan the playlist. Yeah, yeah, this way, and I yeah. was just driving, you know, so I was driving through, and I don't drive the city a lot, like certain parts of the city, and by the way, I kind of got us there without having a GPS helping me, and I got us to First Ave, and it was like as soon as we got to the front door of First Avenue. Purple Rain started playing. And so yeah. he's like, wow, that's that's pretty insane. Yeah, you know? some, yeah, something helped us out there with that. Yeah. So we couldn't have planned that. No. There, yeah. That would have been impossible. I think but I think visiting there is just a good reminder of if you know, like, um, if there's stuff you love, make sure that you you consume as much of it as you can and enjoy it while you can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's a good reminder, you know, life is fleeting and mm -hmm. uh and, you know, we only get one shot at this rock. And so, you know, if you've got stuff you love 
and uh, that you enjoy, enjoy it while you have it, and you can and take part in it, and um, appreciate the people that 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 do the things that you love, and really don't take it for granted because you never know when it's going to end. Yep. Yeah, I concur. Definitely going to change and influence. I think how I move forward. I think uh, with whatever I want to do. I think anytime you have something you can point to to say well, this modeled for me what I want to do and it, it gives me the knowledge and know-how on, on, on how to try, that's a good thing. I mean, not everyone is going to have the resources that Prince has to make this big estate, but you can at least say, what in my house can be the place where I sit down to get to work and start working hard and not make any excuses and just be excited yes. to do the work? Mm-hmm. Well. Thanks so much for being on the podcast to talk about this. Yes. Oh, yeah. This has been a really wonderful trip I'll remember for the rest of my life. Woo! Woo! <laughs> there it Which is. Which is probably not going to last long because we're taking them to a place called the Ice Castle. They're probably going to freeze to death. <laughs> so. Yeah, so if, uh, you, if you're hearing this, I'm not dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or it's a lost recording. <laughs> right, right, right. Just like Chris had. Here we go. Well, there it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod, and also go to our YouTube channel and subscribe at There It Is. Go to ThereItIsPod.com for more podcast info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.